Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everybody, to another fantastic episode of AGP. As always, I am your hostess. I am the one, the only, Amanda Gilmer. And with me today, I am pleased to welcome back someone who hasn't been on this show for two years, Mr. Phil Mockey, who is probably exhausted trying to get out of traffic and trying to get up the stairs as we are starting this show. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Hey, kids. Nice to see you haven't changed any. <laughs> no, not at all. I changed my underwear. That's nice. Yeah. Said, you, as soon as you say that, all I'm picturing is Big Hero 6. I wear them front to back, I turn them inside out, and I wear them front to back again. Thank you for reminding me of a really great movie. Oh, it's a great <laughs> movie. And my, my underwear all have uh, the, the wonderful months listed on them, so I know when to change them. So mine say July right now. <laughs> well, last time you were on the show, you were making the big change from Ohio to Texas. Um, yeah. You were working on Retail Sunshine using the amazing amount of talented people that you met while you were working at Best Buy to help influence your comic at the time. But you've been able to work on a lot more projects. You've gotten back into your comics and other things and have even gone into doing some podcasting. So you've been quite a little busy bee here lately. I don't know how to sit still, I think is what I've determined. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't know how to have a day off is what it boils down to. Um, it's called less caffeine. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I. I just. I love a lot of things, and I. I want to do all the things. So. <laughs> so now, one of the projects that we were talking about um a little bit earlier, when we were talking about things that you were getting yourself into, you are doing a re-release of something that you have already done. Um, this is being re-released in Halloween, which is October thirty-first. For anybody who doesn't know when Halloween is, even though that seems weird, but there may be somebody who doesn't know what day that is. Um, called "Twas the Day After Turkey." Yes, that. That is uh, a book. That was my second publication, but it was technically the very first retail sunshine book that I ever printed. So it's it's special, but I haven't had it available since almost it came out, <laughs> which was five years ago. Um, and and so this is important. I want to have it back in, in my in my repertoire of things that I can offer. You know, to to people can pick up and read and stuff like that. Um, but it, I only made 50 copies, so there are only 50 copies floating around out there aside from my own personal copy. And therefore, to me, it it almost never really got a real release. So now it's time to really give it the release that it deserves, and isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly. The other two books that I've done, they've been like I always keep those on hand. I always have copies of those. This one, this one didn't that didn't happen with. So it's time to give that one the proper a proper send off. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about what it is actually about. 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting because retail sunshine uh, for people that don't know about it, it's a strip, and strips are usually um, you know a, a few panels, and you find them in the newspaper, or at least when people still read those. I don't know if that even happens anymore. Um, <laughs> and so strips are kind of uh, episodic. You, you read one, and they're not necessarily tied to the other ones. So Retail Sunshine is one of those, but the first book I ever made wasn't a collection of those strips because at the time, I had only been drawing Retail Sunshine for two years, and I didn't have enough material yet. But I came up with this idea of um, Black Friday was such a big event when I was working in retail, and it still is, um, and so I really wanted to do something special. And I thought, well, what can I do for Retail Sunshine to make it stand out um, with this horrible, horrible holiday that we all call Black Friday? And so I was like, well, maybe I'll make a maybe I'll make a, a really special long, you know, strip of more than just three panels. And then I was like, well, no, that's not good. Let's do let's do like a series where for like the next ten panels, I'm sorry, the next ten episodes, it's all based around Black Friday. And just none of that seemed like it was appropriate. So then I thought, well, if I was going to make something extra long, what would, you know, what would I do to make that longer? I guess I could make a story. And then I thought about the, the poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, which I grew up loving and reading every year. And I just had the idea to combine the two. So I wrote a poem all about Black Friday, and I used the characters from Retail Sunshine to illustrate each uh, stanza of the poem. So every page is a stanza, and has a drawing that tells the story of that uh, four lines of, of poetry. <laughs> I'm just picturing Twas the Night Before Christmas and the fact that you love that so much. And ever since uh, this great ventriloquist, Mr. Jeff Dunham, showed up, and I got to see that Christmas special, I can't look at that book the same way anymore after what he did to it. Oh, yeah, he does some he does some fun takes on things for sure. <laughs> Maybe someday someone will do that to your twas the day after turkey. <laughs> it's possible. There is a there is a retail sunshine puppet that I that I have that uh one of the people that liked it enough decided to sew it and make it for me. So there's a we're halfway there with puppets. Very nice. Now to help with this whole re-release of the Twas the Day After Turkey, you're going to be doing a Facebook campaign for pre-orders, correct? Yeah, people have asked me about doing Kickstarters, and I, I keep kicking that. Not to coin a phrase, I keep kicking the Kickstarter idea around. I, I I'm not a hundred percent feeling it yet for something that I'm that I've already made, and I know what Kickstarter is meant for. So it just didn't. It doesn't feel like a that would fit right now. Um, there might be one of those down the road, but really, um, this is something I'm I'm experimenting with. My cover photo on Facebook I've transformed into a meter, and everybody that um, pre-orders the book and it's just 15 bucks that includes shipping, so you know, really doesn't cost all that much if you add up all the times you buy fast food or coffee or whatever. Um, every time you do that. I feature your name on the cover photo, and then the little meter goes up another notch. So that's we'll see what happens with that. And, of course, people who want to find out more about you and actually want to look for the campaign that you're doing on Facebook for this, um, they can actually find you on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Phil Mocky. That's N as in mother, A, C as in Charlie, H, I as in India, Correct. That is exactly right. I, I have I do have a website which is philmaki.com, but to be honest, 
you know, I, I should probably update it more. I'm very, very uh, um, into the Facebook social media part of it. I'm on there quite a bit. I have several different pages that I manage and groups that I manage that are, some of them are related to my art, some of them are related to other stuff. Um, so I'm very much on Facebook. And so if people want to know what I'm doing at the drop of a hat, that's, that's usually the best way to find out, uh, secondary to the website, I guess. And, of course, you know, not every, I mean, Facebook is probably one of the biggest, biggest things to use in social media to be able to reach out to people. But I do know that there's people who do only Facebook. There's people who do only Twitter. You are on Twitter as well. Will you be promoting this also on Twitter? Yeah, uh, I will. <laughs> I'll do what I can because I, I, this is where I feel like I'm out of touch. I mean, I, I'm not. I've been doing Internet stuff since, like, the, the mid-'90s, but some reason I find like I find it that some websites or some some social media services they they jive better in my brain than others. Like I Twitter does not make a whole lot of sense to me. I've, I've used it and it just I can't get my head wrapped around it. I just started using Instagram not too long ago and I really love Instagram. So I've been I've been advertising on Instagram. So why don't you do something like this? Use your Instagram, hook it to your Facebook and your Twitter, and let it do all the work for you for both social medias. I, I have one page set up that way. Um, it, the uh, live livestock productions page on Facebook. When I post something there, it pushes it over to uh, to Twitter. So I do have one. I was smart enough to make one of them connected like that. Um, now it's time to expand. <laughs> Especially time since to expand. you are honest. <laughs> it, it is honest because you know I'm very avid on Twitter. No, you don't use it a lot. No, I I know you use it because because you're you're kind enough to include me in your your weekly Friday um, collection of artists that you promote, and I always appreciate that. But I I look at my my inbox and I, and I see all these little messages saying, you know, Amanda tagged you in this thing, and I'm like, hey, thanks. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> you click the little star which says that you favorite it, then you press reply, and then you say thank you, Amanda, and then I press a little star and I favorite that, and then I say you're welcome, Phil. Ta-da, done. There is your what? Twitter one for Follow Fridays. So see, why does that? Why does that seem very similar to me to getting into like a conversational loop? Like someone says, "Hey, Phil, how was your day today?" And I say, "Good, Amanda. How was your day today?" And you go, "Well, good, Phil. How was your day today?" And I go, "Well, it's great, Amanda. It just feels like that's a never-ending loop, like this this uh, favoriting and then retweeting thing." Well, you eventually stop. I mean, unless you're like me and you live your life on a computer, you do eventually have to walk away from the computer. I haven't figured out how to walk <laughs> away from the computer yet since my entire life, whether it's my 9 to 5, the podcast, comic book reviews, or working for a convention, it's revolved all around the computer. There's no way for me to get away from it. You, on uh, the other hand, you can actually walk away from it. You know, hmm. walk away. <laughs> I have to walk away from it. I have to sometimes because... Uh, I, I have to pull myself away. There's so, there's so much stuff that I do at my desk. It's like I'll draw at my desk. I have all the internet stuff at my desk. I it, it gets dangerous. I have to find reasons to leave that part of my my home. But for anybody who does want to follow Phil on Twitter, it is at Phil Mocky. Um, also, like you said, you can also go to his website, philmockey.com. And, of course, there is facebook.com forward slash philmockey, which those of you who are in the chat room and paying attention right now, you, you notice that I put the links up there for you, so you have them. 
Now, on top of everything else that's going on with Twas the Day After Turkey and the big re-release, you have some big news about a sequel coming up in 2016? Yeah. This is something that I I actually wrote it in 2009, I want to say. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, 11, 2011. Oh, my, my brain's all messed up. So I was painting a mural, a retail sunshine mural at uh, one of the Toledo area, Toledo, Ohio, for those of you who think I mean Toledo, Spain. Um, so Toledo, Ohio, there's a Best Buy that I used to work in, and they had me paint several murals there. The one that I did right before I left, I was painting that one, and I was just, I guess, reflecting on the stuff I had done so far, and I was thinking about doing another poem book because I really enjoyed that. So what I realized was something that I was like, you know, talking about with different people who were getting to know my strip was I was always having to explain um, the different characters because none of the characters have any names. So they're all, um, they're all kind of like, you know, it doesn't really make a difference in the story as to who's called what, but there are different uh, classes of characters that they all wear different shirts and that shirt, that shirt tells the reader what their role is working in the, in the retail store. So I, I found myself explaining that a lot, and I was like, man, it'd be cool if I had like some kind of a guidebook or a starter book that I could say, start with this. So the idea was, let's make a poem uh, book, like a storybook, because I, I couldn't do that in the strip. It just didn't feel right. And I was like, I'll just make it about you know, a character who starts working at the store, and he's, he has to go through orientation. And so through orientation, the audience now kind of identifies with this character who starts working there and he has another character guiding him and explaining him what it's like working in the store. So orientation is all about a employee's first day on the job. Oh, and we all love our first day on the job. Oh, oh yeah. The memories. <laughs> yeah. And then once you see, you're like, oh, I hate orientation. And then once you actually start after work, you're going, Yo, can I go back to training? That was a lot easier. <laughs> yes, the training. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and, and so I should clarify, it's not like a true sequel, meaning it, it isn't like it's this is what happens the next day. It's a sequel. It's a thematic sequel, meaning it's another illustrated poem. You know, and so it's the second time that I've done something like that. Very nice. Now, even before the show really started getting on the way, we had already actually had a guest in the chat room, and they have something that they really, 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 really want you to talk about, and yeah. it's about this character called Witchbee. You're going to yeah. have to enlighten us, Phil. I, I should, because Witchbee is, is uh, well, she's one of a kind, because she's, she's nothing to do with anything else that I've done. So. Um, I guess I'll tell the story of what Witchbee is and why she's relevant right now. Uh, I think it was 2007, I'm guessing. We're going to say circa 2007. Um, I was having dinner with some friends, and uh, we were at a, a place called the Elephant Bar. Again, this is in Toledo, Ohio, not Toledo, Spain. And uh, we, were, we were just discussing various things, and my one friend, uh, her name's Christy, she was saying that she was describing um, somebody she worked with, a coworker, and she was trying to be polite about it. She thought she goes, "This coworker that I have with me, she's uh, she's a real witch, but with a with a B, 
That's how she phrased it. That's not me trying to tone it down for your show. That's actually like her own words. So we all knew what she meant, but I decided to take things the way that I tend to take them. And I looked at her with a smug look and I said, you mean a witch bee? And, and she kind of like got all uh, deadpan with me and said, yes, Phil, a witch bee. And for some reason that just like gave me the biggest giggle fest. I don't know. Just the fact that she acknowledged it like that way. So I, I took my takeout box or take home box because I, you know, had the, we were just done eating. We were just chatting and I started drawing this little bee and in my brain at that moment, I was thinking about all the different stuff that was kind of like trending at the time. There was a lot of, a lot of goth, cute stuff that people were buying on their merchandise from stores like Hot Topic and other places like that. Um, so I was kind of like doing a commentary. I was, I was you know, making fun of it a little bit, saying, oh, I can make something cute that, that is goth as well. So I did, and... and and uh, right there on the spot, and Christy was like, wow, that's awesome. If that was on a T-shirt, I would totally get that. And I'm like, are you serious? You think you really think people would would buy this? Um, she's like, yeah. I said, well, I'll tell you what. If I can get you and, like, another half dozen people to, to agree to it, I will place the order for a, a small a small run of shirts, and I'll, I'll house the inventory myself. And, and sure enough, I ended up, uh, getting a, a couple batches, I believe, last I remember checking, and they all sold out. And since then, people have wanted her, but I, I never had her available again because I wasn't convinced that I could order a full order of shirts. You know, it, it's ordering shirts is a pain because you have to know what everybody's sizes are. So mm-hmm. it's, always, it's always easier to go, hey, everybody, what size do you want? Then I'll go place the order. And then that way everybody gets what they want and I don't have any leftovers and I don't have to sit on merchandise forever. But, but after you do that initial run, it's kind of harder to like prepare for a convention because you'll, you never have the right size. People always want, you know, different styles, a girl's cut or, you know, a, I don't know, tank top or whatever. Um, so she just, she never went anywhere. She was done. And, but I, ever, ever since then, people who had the shirt would tell me that they kept getting complimented on her and that they wanted to know where they could get one. So it, that's been on the back of my mind ever since 2007. Um, so I guess this year, I don't know what it was that brought it back to my attention. It was, a, I guess, a combination of the timing was just right. I had a, a break in the action. Um, people like uh, Mel, who, who's in the, in the chat room, she was somebody that had one of the original shirts and was telling me that hers was falling apart and that she needed another one. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this. You're ready to, to, to wear it again that seems like a good time for me to do this. And, and what's changed in the last couple of years, Amanda, is that I've started going through um, a different website uh, called Redbubble. And, and what's great about that is I can make a design and not have to order anything. People can just do it through Redbubble. Nice. Even though it sounds like that shirt should be something that you have on com so people can order it. but it, Yes, it's not, not there yet. Thing. Yeah, she, she went live um, less than a week ago on the Redbubble website, and I'm still working on, uh, in, on the back end, I'm working on designing my website to have a, a Witch Bee section. So really soon, there's going to be a Witch Bee section on filmaki.com. It's just not there yet. Um, but in the meantime, if you go to Redbubble and you just search Filmaki, you'll see the, I've got like, I think, four different T-shirt designs on their website right now. So that's, until I get my website uh, matching everything, just go to redbubble.com and search Filmaki. You'll, you'll find her. I'll take mine in a tank top extra large, please. There you go. Well, I appreciate that. 
So it, it seems like you're doing a lot of bringing stuff back that, you know, hasn't been around for a while. Because on top of, you know, bringing Witchby back and talking more about the shirts and bringing back the day after Turkey, you have one other thing that you are rebooting, which is your livestock. You're rebooting that book as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I, don't, I don't have an estimated date for that yet just because I'm doing all the stuff with, the, with orientation, uh, that book right now. Um, but I, I do have the first five pages already, like, roughly created. So... You know, I, I know I'm going to move forward with it, just a matter of when. Um, Livestock was my first lo- long-running strip, and I drew it from uh, 96 as when I first started it, and then about uh, 11 years later <laughs> um, <laughs> was, what, was when I retired them temporarily. I, or as I say, they're hibernating right now. Um, so I, I printed them in their first book, and then I went to go do other things like Retail Sunshine. So, Which, of course, we talked a little bit about livestock the first time that you were on the show, but that was like two years ago. So for yeah. anybody who's new and going to be listening to this episode, um, please give them a little bit more of an update on what livestock is. Oh, sure, yeah. Livestock was my very first comic strip, It was, um, but it wasn't a strip at first. It started off as a gag panel, and for those of you that don't know what that is, think of comics like The Far Side or non-sequitur, um, or to a lesser degree, family circus, <laughs> um, you know, where it's a single panel that tells an entire story. I really respected artists that could do that. So Livestock started off as a single panel, but then I, it, it evolved. I, I wanted to tell stories. I'm a storyteller. So it became a strip. But then the strip wasn't good enough because I, I couldn't tell a full story in a few panels. So then... So then the panels became like, there was like, a, I think I had a comic where there was 20 panels on a page, which was nuts because it was just a one single eight and a half by 11 page. But what was bad about that was these elaborate drawings I was making that I, w- I would draw them pretty large, you know, maybe four by five inches or sometimes larger than that, and then scan them. I would shrink them down to be less than an inch and a half of the paper. And... So, in other words, my, my strip was like my story was growing past what I was allowing it to, to do. I was confining it to a single page. So, finally, I realized years later, as I thought about it more and more, if I ever were to come back to those characters, it wouldn't be a comic strip anymore. I I like them in story mode. So, I'm actually going to be making um, a vertical, like the traditional comic book, which I I've never done that. Everything I've done has been horizontal, just like a comic strip would be. But it's going to be a comic book, uh, like probably a 36-page story of the livestock. I don't know how many issues it'll be, but I'm just working on one right now just to see how that would read and how that would, you know, feel. But I can tell you, you know, only having two to three panels per page on this this new story, I love it. I love that I can let these drawings breathe and take up so much, like, cover or page space. Very nice. And then, of course, you also have one more thing that, again, we covered once upon a time in a galaxy not so far away, but it feels like many years ago, um, uh, a future of not quite extinct. Yeah, that's like the project that never was. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to speak about it negatively, but, uh, you know, there's days where I wonder if it's, if it's ever going to happen. Um, 
I when I started talking I did your show two years ago, I think I had just I, I don't remember what at what point I was. I think I had just started maybe working on it. Um and it's I got the reason like, why I give you a dinosaur card every year for your birthday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well people that know me and I appreciate that. <laughs> people that know me, um uh know that I'm a kind of dinosaur obsessed to the point where I was from years of second grade up to first year of college, I was going to be a paleontologist. That was the plan. And art was always secondary. So um, dinosaurs are really important to me. And and not quite extinct is really important because we were talking about bringing stuff back. Not quite extinct brings stuff back from like second grade. Like a car- I made a little book when I was in second grade in we had a project in school where we were making our own books. It was like a bookmaking thing. And we had just learned about dinosaurs, did like a little segment on dinosaurs. So, of course, I made a dinosaur book, uh, which, I, which I still have. Uh, and it had a Stegosaurus as the main character. And, and he's followed me throughout my, my whole life. I mean, I've, in high school, before Livestock came around, when I was thinking of making a comic strip, I was going to do a comic strip about dinosaurs, but I just couldn't make it work. So it, it's been following me my entire life. Um, and so back two years ago when I was talking to you, I just was working on the beginning of that book. Here we are two years later. I've got about 24 pages made, um, nowhere near completion. I, I, I think the first book's going to be 100 pages, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if it will, but that's what it's feeling like to me. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to get back to it. It's on, it's on a temporary break while I do these other, other things we've been talking about. Well, you know what? At least you got up to the 24 pages because when I first met, when we first had you on the podcast, you're just like, I just started it. So two years, 24, so you do 12 pages a year. We might see this in about, what, 30, 14 now. <laughs> I know. That's what it feels like. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that maybe I'll get back in the groove of it again and I'll start cranking pages out faster. Um, it's just, it's difficult. If, if you've seen any of the drawings, and those are online, I, I offer prints. Because um, I didn't know when the book was going to be ready, so I was like, "Well, I'll at least offer some of them these prints, and they are on filmaki.com." Uh, but the drawings are really elaborate, and that's what's taking so long. Is I want every page to be like a frameable work of art. So, anyway, very, <laughs> very nice. Now, and I understand you have a lot that's on your plate because on top of all of your books and all of the artwork that you do and revamping everything that we've talked about before in the past, you went and went into a territory that I know a little bit about. You went into podcasting. You know a lot about that. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And you started off with a show called The Phil Show. See, I tried the Amanda show, but they did that on Nickelodeon. I thought it confused too many people, so I just went with AGP. <laughs> but you have the oh, Phil like show. Yeah. <laughs> and your, and your logo show. is wonderful, by the way. Your logo, it changed since two years ago. I, I love the new logo. It's, it looks fantastic. Thank you. I have to give a shout-out to my friend Craig Patrick, who does logo designs. Um, he lives here in Oxford and works at Miami University. Um, he did that logo for me absolutely free. So, of course, big thank you, Craig, for that. He sat yeah. here, listened to a podcast, and that's how he came up with the design. Well, it's, it's great. It looks very professional, and I, I think it suits you well. So so I'm excited for you. But, uh, but yeah, the Phil Show... Um, so the Phil Show last year came out, 
uh, it had a two-part pilot episode, which is still available to listen to uh, on YouTube, which I know is a weird place to put it. But uh, I was again, I try to do things a little outside the box and, and shake things up a little bit. That's just how I've always done stuff. Um, so the the two episode pilot is is there. It's divided into different little sections that are sketch comedy and old timey radio type uh, storytelling. There is a plan for more of it, but um, the, that pilot was such a long, long thing to make. I mean, it was hard to make it. It was so many hours of sitting in front of the computer editing audio, and um, I just I, I needed to take a little bit of a, a breather from it. So the plan now is instead of putting up an, ep- an episode as they get made, I'm just going to I'm working on. I already got scripts written, and you know some of it. It's not recorded, but I'm like already to the point where I could record it. Um, I'm going to make a season of the show, and then that way every week I'll have a new episode, and people can listen to that. So if the Phil show's not gone; it's just it's just in development. Uh, the podcast that you might be asking me about is is Nate has an hour to fill. Yep, but, uh, and that is uh, that started in I think early July. Um, that's with my friend. Nate Heberline, the two of us just get together and have some really interesting uh, stream of consciousness conversations that go every which way. And we decided to put a microphone in front of us and record for an hour while we while we sip on fizzy soft drinks that are like not not like the traditional ones that everybody finds in restaurants, but like you know special bottling companies that make different sodas and things like that. So that's basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you come up with the idea, you know, what made you go, I want to try podcasting? Um, I've actually wanted to do this for a while. I, I loved radio. I grew up with radio, and I've wanted to do radio stuff. And I've taken voice classes, and for a while I was going to do, do some voice acting. Um, but that would have required shifting my entire everything and probably putting drawing aside and focusing only on that. So, um so anyway, this is my way of doing voice stuff without doing it on my terms, I guess, instead of going out there and being a professional voice actor. Um, but Nate, again, and I, we hang out a lot. We watch movies. We talk about nerd stuff. And we were having lunch with a former Best Buy coworker because we all worked at Best Buy. Um, and the guy was <laughs> – he, he had never had lunch with us, and he was listening to the two of us talk, and he was going, do you – are you guys planning this? Is this like a bit? And we were like, no, this is just how we talk. And he's like, yeah, well, that that should probably be something you guys, you know, put on the put on the road, so to speak. So we talked about it some more, and we're like, yeah, we were we were thinking someday that would be fun. But now, if somebody else is saying they they think that sounds like that already, then okay, let's let's go do this. And where could people find Nate has an hour to fill? So I've got a channel on YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com forward slash it's the Phil show. And you have to have the word it's in there or it won't work. Um, so if you go there, that channel has uh, the pilot episode, part one and two for the Phil show. And it also has uh, the first two episodes of Nate has an hour to fill. And that show is a lot easier for me to produce because quite literally we sit down for an hour and talk and within less than 24 hours, I've got I've got it down to a science in just two episodes. I can have this thing like online, so it's way easier to produce that show than the Phil show. 
<laughs> and editing. Isn't it just so much fun? It, you know, it is because it's unscripted. I mean, like, again, I love doing the Phil show, but, you know, there's so much uh, editing and, and fine-tuning and, you know, finding sound effects and, and um, you know, rights, unprotected music that you are allowed to use. And there's just a lot that goes into making the Phil show. So so for, the, for Nate has an hour to fill, quite literally, we just sit there and talk for an hour and I have like I've created little bits that tie the show together, little little audio segments. But but I made those once. I don't have to make them anymore. So again, the show is very easy for me to produce, and that's I don't know. That's what I needed. I needed something that I could put out there that would be um, a lot more relaxed. Nice. Now I can't do the whole editing thing. It's not really in my um, DNA structure. Hence the live show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that well then you know then. Like that that's people don't realize, you know, not to get on my soapbox about it, but people don't know what kind of effort goes into making uh you know, produced content, you know, be it a comic book uh or or a radio show that's twenty minutes long. The amount of hours that are behind that are staggering. And like I, I've I had to get really comfortable with the fact years ago that I will probably never be monetarily compensated for any of this stuff properly. And that's fine with me, you know, but, um, I, you know, it's nice to get paid, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, in all honesty, and with some of the things that, you know, having to move forward to make a podcast bigger, better, more people to get to it, things like that, I realize, wow, I'm going to have to hire an editor. Like, here, this Absolutely. is your job. You, I, 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 I record it. But once it's recorded, I can't listen, watch, or anything that I do in something. Here, this is your job. Enjoy. Have fun. Yeah, you got to be a real sicko to like every step of the process. Uh, <laughs> uh, seriously, though, there's days where I'm like, wow, I must be some kind of a masochist because the amount of hours spent. It's because I, I love what I do. And, I mean, I, I think you understand that from what you do as well. Um, you have to love it because if you're doing it for any other reason, the amount of hours that you put into it, the only thing that fuels me quite literally is just, just the drive to create stuff. That's, that's what I, that's what I like. So those are the fumes that I'm getting off on because it certainly isn't paying the bills and it certainly isn't, uh, uh, bringing me fame. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. No. And the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is whether it's podcasting, comic book creating, art, whatever it is, 98% of us are never going to be famous for it, and it really right. is a labor of love. That's the reason why we do it. But that's the biggest compliment I can ever get is when, is when people, and you know, it's happened more and more recently, and I'm very thankful whenever it does, when people see my work and, and they say, wow, like, I can so see you in this, and I can see that you love what you do, and I can see that, you know, there's a real thought that is put behind it when I when I hear that that's just I don't know not that I didn't know that I was putting myself into it but when someone tells you that out of their own words and you didn't ask them for their opinion um, it just kind of validates and gives you a little you know little remind a friendly reminder that you're on the right track so that's always nice no I truly do understand where you come from the biggest thrill I've ever had with being a podcaster is people coming up to me and they come to me and go I need to be on your show. When can you get me on? Um, um, wait, I was not ready for that question. Hold, please. 
like fall right. out of the chair. My phone's now 30 feet away from me. It's a great compliment when yeah. people tell you how great of a job you're doing because for you it's just I'm doing this and I've made a commitment to it. It's my passion. It's my fun. And then somebody goes, hey, and you're just like, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when they get specific. I, I mean, that to me is even better. Like, and now, now I'm sort of putting this out there, so I'm sure it, it's going to lose some specialness because I'm actually saying it. But, uh, like, I focus a lot on on expressions. If people look at my work for, I don't know, longer than five minutes or even shorter than that, I don't know, they'll probably notice that uh, my the facial expressions I put into my characters are really where I emphasize um, most of everything I do. I guess Witchby is an exception. She doesn't have too much going on in the face area, but... But in general, I love that that sort of way of um, communicating without words, you know, communicating with, with an, an expression. So when people tell me that they love my expressions on my characters, it, that just makes my day because that's where I'm putting my time. Which is something that I told you once before. I love the fact that the characters, even though in real, real, real now I can't speak, retail sunshine, <laughs> um, they're they're stick figures. They are just stick figures with shirts on, but you can see the expression and you can see the look on their faces when they do come up against the customer who goes, "How much is this?" with the three ninety nine sticker right on the item. Right, right, yes. You know, <laughs> I told you from the get go. I love retail sunshine. It's always been one of my favorite things that you've always done. Could happen to be because I've worked in retail for quite some time. Whether it's been for McDonald's or working for a shoe store or the fact that I even worked at a gas station for a short amount of time. I know those mm-hmm. characters. It was like reliving yeah. the clerks again. It's it's funny you said the, the gas station thing and the different jobs you had because that was what was unique about it. It was the experience when I was going to the Chicago Comic Convention for years. Um, I, I haven't done that show in a long time, but uh, – when I was doing those shows and I would meet people and they were getting introduced to retail sunshine for the first time, it was great that people were going, wow, I work at target. Were you making this about target or I, I work at Walmart. Is this about Walmart? I thought for sure that the way I was doing things was a dead on giveaway that it was best buy. But, you know, I, I tried to walk a really fine line and not make it look too identical because I wanted it to be relatable for anything retail and hearing that it is without me even asking people was really like, that was fantastic. And then Walmart changed their dress policy or dress code to be blues and, and khakis. And then I think like Sears did it too. And I was like, yeah, do it. Everybody make everybody look like my characters. That's, that's the best. (laughs) Nice. Oh, poor Mel. Um, she's going to have to listen to this a little later. She's having audio issues, so make sure when I post this on Facebook that she gets the post. That way she can see it. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be putting a, a blog post on com that has a link to the recorded episode. I'll actually make sure that's the next thing that I do. Very nice. Which, of course, remember, everybody, for those of you who are still not having any audio issues or anything, if you do have any questions, always feel free to ask questions. That's what the chat room is for. You can be part of the conversation. I'd be more than happy to ask your questions to Mr. Maki himself. Oh, my gosh. I don't don't think anybody calls you that. My gosh. That's a a weird thing. 
Okay, but see, you're my guest. Yes, you're my friend. And I can torture and maim you outside of the show, but during the I, show, I have to at least be a little proper with you. Oh, uh, well, that's, that's, that's Whatever. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just started teaching art classes. Um, I used to teach years ago, but I just started again, and now I'm just doing, doing it, like, as my own self instead of teaching for, like, I, I, I taught for the city that I grew up in for a while. Um, then I taught for a, a theater camp. Um, but now it's just me, and I don't introduce myself as anything formal. I'm just like, I'm Phil. Just call me Phil. And, you know, <laughs> I I have a five-year-old that, that learns from me, and I've always just been Phil. So, I've, I, you know, I mean, I appreciate the formality, but, yeah, I don't know. No one's ever formal with me. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, Phil, with everything that you've been going on, I noticed that you also started going back and doing a few conventions. How's that been going out for you? You know, it's. I wish it was going better. <laughs> I only I only did the one this year, and then I signed up for a few that I think they just like canceled, or I don't know. So um, after that happened a couple times, uh, and I get you know I'm in a whole new part of the country now. So I, this year I've been learning about shows, and then I'm like, oh, I didn't know know that show was even a thing. So now I'm marking that on my calendar for next year, so that I can like make it bigger. So I guess. I pulled myself out of the show thing after I started it this year because a it wasn't you know the the show thing wasn't working like people were either not getting back in touch with me at all or they were canceling the show and then I just started making uh, the orientation book so I was like you know what I want to go back to a show when I have a new thing you know and with the day after Turkey coming out on Halloween uh, that book and then also orientation coming out next year. I mean, I know I don't have to have a bunch of new stuff because I live in a completely different part of the country, so it's new to, you know, whatever I have is new to everybody. But I don't know. You probably understand this from going to as many shows as you've gone. If you if you go to a show and you don't have a new thing, it just feels like you don't belong there that day. I don't know how to explain it. Well, I know one of the things, and a lot of people suffer from this who are independent creators when they do shows, especially those that do the same shows over and over and over again, if you don't have something new, it's nothing fresh. So there's nothing really to be excited for. And then the people have already seen it, so it doesn't give them the opportunity for them to want to come back to your table at that point. So I do understand that aspect. And even though you do live in another part of the United States at this point, you've still got some of the same stuff that you've had for a while, and anybody who may have already known you may already know that work. So you're looking for, and you yourself as a person, want the excitement of having something new and fresh to show the public. Yeah, it it, it does something to you. Uh, I don't know, like it, like I said, people at a show here in, in Austin, they don't know anything that I do, you know, at least for the first couple of shows that I went to. Now that I've done a few, I guess that's not true anymore. But, you know, it was all new to them. But when you go to a show and you get, like, a, a fresh batch of prints or this hot off the presses, you get a book, there is something, you're just so jazzed to just have it on the table for the first time and see the reactions of people. I don't know. It's very, like I said, you know, as much as um, what I do for fun and what a lot of comic artists do for fun, like, I, I'm not a big substance person. Like, I don't drink or smoke or I'm pretty boring. Uh, but I I could say that creating things is kind of a drug because I mean it really I don't know, it does something to me. So 
No, I truly do understand it. When you're able to use your creativity and you come up with something and you really like it and then people show their appreciation because they like it as well, it's one yeah. of the greatest highs you will ever have in your lifetime. Plus, also, it's always nice to have something new because if you have something new and then they're like, ooh, look at this, and then you're like, oh, you like that? You should see where it started, and then you can pull out all the old stuff too. You're like, da-da, look, twice the amount of fun. More money, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then you kind of blow people away, and they're like, wow, when do you have time for all this? And you're like, I've been doing this for years. You just didn't know about it. But, yeah. <laughs> that's what, but you know what's sad what? about that? What's it's that? been almost 20 years. Next year will be your 20-year anniversary within this industry. Do you realize that? And that's what the, I don't – it doesn't even, like, hit me because technically I was drawing before drawing livestock. You know, I just I just call livestock my start because that was when I started getting things printed in, in the school paper. You know, that's when I, that's when I, I felt like it, it began. But I was drawing my whole life. So, uh, but, yeah, that, that is weird. That, to say that was 20 years ago, I, I remember – I actually remember that day. I remember creating that first livestock comic that that day. I actually remember that day. That is a weird thing to say because I can't remember what I had for lunch like yesterday. <laughs> um, I had a Diet Coke and a cigarette for lunch yesterday. Yeah, that's what I had. Um, <laughs> mm, that's delicious. <laughs> oh. Um, here is a question. Has the recent film Jurassic World perhaps inspired some new energy for Not Quite Extinct? Um, because they are really looking forward to your upcoming dinosaur book. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that book, too. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I actually, I've told people, that when I was in the thick of it over the last two years, and I was really working on nothing but Not Quite Extinct, I felt like I could just quit everything else and make that series the rest of my life. There, there, there is a part of me that believes that if I was able to, like, not, you know, because a lot of artists have day jobs, not sorry to just to blow everyone's bubbles and think that we are making comics and getting paid for it, but everybody has a day job. There's very few of us that don't. Um, so if I, if I didn't have to work 40 hours a week doing my regular day job and then do everything else, part of me feels like I could just make that series forever. Um, I know that's not true, because I would probably want to do other stuff, and I've always been very diversified. But my point of that, I had a point. My point was that that whole thing can be a series. It's not quite extinct. I planned it out as a potential series um, that would go on, who knows, at at infinitum. Uh, Jurassic World, the only thing that that did for me for not quite extinct was momentarily make me miss dinosaurs, like drawing them, meaning like I, I was like, oh, I, I want to draw dinosaurs. That, that's pretty much what it did. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that, I, yeah. that movie was awesome. It has the greatest superpower I've ever seen. I can run this terrain in high heels. That is like the greatest superpower I have ever oh, seen. Yes, in a movie. I know. <laughs> yes, there are some <laughs> things about that movie that I, I would say there is a few things I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done myself if I was directing that film. But, but honestly, that truly to me is the sequel to Jurassic Park. Uh you could you could completely omit numbers two and three in that series and have a couple of solid films right there. Those are those are two very good movies. I will give credit where credit is due. Jurassic World game of dinosaurs and that's what I went to the movie to see was dinosaurs and I got to see dinosaurs. <laughs> and I cannot I like say that word that. 
Ever since Jurassic Park came out, thank you so much, Spielberg. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, Mr. DNA. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very good Mr. DNA impression. I love that. I love it. <laughs> People look at me like, what? I was like, you've never seen Jurassic Park? Then never mind. Walk away. Just walk away. You know, I, still, I still meet people that don't know, that have never seen Jurassic Park. That, that, I mean, I guess maybe it's not that weird, but to me it's weird. That's like when somebody goes, I've never seen Star Wars, and like I have a heart attack, and then people have to resuscitate me because I've died. No, I keep meeting people who haven't seen Star Wars. Believe it or not, I, both of those things, people will say, I've never seen it. I'm like, well... Why are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> and we do have people going, yes, you should do something special for the 20th anniversary. Well, for I you know, should have a huge talking? 20th anniversary thing for you. You mean, what, like 20th anniversary of livestock? Anything. 20th, the 20th anniversary is from the time you said you started printing stuff. So you've been doing this since 1996, which means next year is your 20th anniversary. So on top of the fact that you will be having um, your, uh, what is it, orientation come out in 2016, I think you need to do a 20-year anniversary hoopla. Holy hoopla, that sounds like a great idea. I, and I actually, I didn't even think about it that it was going to be this coming year. I. That's how, yeah, I didn't even really think about it. I'll, I'll do something. Um, I'm open to ideas, I guess. But, uh, you know, what, what I would love to do, and this is really being ambitious, because I have to finish orientation first and then go on to this, would be to actually finish that livestock comic that I started as only five pages finished of and be able to get that put out in 2016. That would be, I would really, really appreciate doing that. <laughs> I think that sounds like uh, you now have decided what you need to do for your 20th anniversary, and it sounds like you're going to have to do a lot of work, son. I know, man. It's, you know, <laughs> and it's funny that you said a lot of work. Cause I, there's part of me that is still, like, in the back of my brain. I'm like, this should be fun, it is, and it is fun, but people don't understand that it is a lot of work. Like, it really is a lot of work. I love doing it. It's work that I love. But I don't just sit down and create to relax. It, it's it's a lot like giving birth, and I've never been able to give birth. I'm not, you know, saying I I understand that process 100. percent But when I tell people about what it takes and how much time I'm thinking about it, and I'm going to bed thinking about it, and waking up thinking about it, and and having you know conversations with people, and drifting off mid conversation and thinking about it. Um, it's just, it's creating is like like giving birth. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know. I've never given birth, nor do I plan on to anytime in the near future. <laughs> it sounds painful. I'm just going to stick with enjoying what I like to do instead of having to deal with the pain of it, even though it yeah. is a lot of work. A lot of people like you, myself, with the nine-to-fives that we do, plus all the extracurricular, well, some do a few extracurricular activities. Some waste their lives doing these extracurricular activities. I don't know who those people could possibly be. And yeah. when we run off of an hour and a half to two hours of sleep every day, people are like, and I love this, are you okay? Are you upset? You really need to learn to difference between upset and exhausted. Seriously. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. <laughs> when the bags under someone's eyes are reaching down to their knees, Right. They're exhausted. They're not angry. They're just, please, I just want some sleep. Just one, one day. I just need one day to refuel 
and then I can go the yeah. rest of the year. <laughs> no, I know. I have to take one day out of, out of my week, and I, I that's, that's my sleep-in day where I catch up on all the sleep I missed throughout the week. So that's uh, that, was, that was today, actually. <laughs> um, and you know what's funny about, about all that is, like, I, I've had to cut video games down so much. And I, I, I miss that a lot. Uh, but I had to make a choice, and I I I want to get stuff created, um, and that's more important than than playing games. I do I do play games. It just it's not like I used to. It's nowhere near what I used to do. Uh, well, I'm telling you this: you need to get to work, and you need to haul on it because we all know come November it's game on with Star Wars Battlefront coming out. We have Fallout 4, Uncharted 4, Final Fantasy 7 remake. Yeah, you're going to have to get back into gaming. Well, I've already got games that I that are classics now because I've owned them this long and I've never even opened the seal on them. So, I don't know. I made a rule myself to stop buying games until I play the ones I own. <laughs> no, no, no. Like right now, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Star Wars Battlefront, that gameplay made me cry. I will play oh, that. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't even seen any previews for it yet. Is it, it's pretty awesome. I cried. You cried. You literally cried. I cried. There's this oh, scene. Oh, you know what? And you know what that reminds me of? Oh, my gosh. i got to tell you before I forget. Oh, my gosh. I, last night I went to uh, I went to Dave & Buster's on a, like, on a whim. I just I got off work and I was like, i, I got to get out of the house. I'll go play video games somewhere. And uh, I went to Dave & Buster's by myself. It was awesome. And there was a Star Wars game that I played I had never played before. And it's like, a, it's like a pod game. You're inside of this little bubble. And the screen, you, you can't look anywhere and not see the screen unless you turn backwards. Uh-huh. And so it's like a flight simulator. But you're, you're shooting down, you know, TIE fighters and stuff. It was so amazingly good. I, I really had a blast playing that game. Did you cry? I, I didn't cry, but like, but I, seriously, you, you almost get motion sickness. If, if you, if somebody who suffers that probably wouldn't want to play that game because you are probably within two and a half feet, your nose to the screen. It, it's really close to you. And then it circles you. So you just, you're in a ship. Nice. Yeah, uh, you, I wish Dave Buster has that. You guys, let me know. I will. I will. <laughs> Sorry, I got like super excited because I, I I played like three new games last night, or at least three. That was one of them. I played a uh, there was a new Jurassic Park arcade game. Oh my gosh, that that was just eye candy. I I, I put a picture up uh, on Instagram about it. And then the third game I played that was amazing. They called it like a, a 4D because the game seats would shake and they would blow cold air on the back of your neck, and it was a horror game. So I, I'm not going to lie. I jumped a lot. That That is a scary game. That I have played. The Jurassic Park game, I hope it's much better than what they had for Sega because those Jurassic Park games were horrible. Yes, they were horrible. This one, this one's fun. This is like a, if you've played Time Crisis or you've played... House of the Dead, or any of those shooter games, um, th- this is very much like that, but it's beautifully, like, it's colorful, and, I mean, I don't like shooting dinosaurs, to be honest with you, because I love dinosaurs, but whatever, it's a shooter game, that's what you're supposed to do, so, it's fun. No offense, as much as you love dinosaurs, if a pack of velociraptors were coming at you, would you just be like, it's okay, you can eat me because I love you, or are you going to shoot them? I, you know, I 
I hate, I, oh, I wouldn't want to answer that question because I think that it might end in my own death with a smile on my face. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would be like, like oh, no. oh, I'm being eaten alive. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. I'm being eaten by live by a velociraptor. This is just so great. <laughs> and I love the fact that you do say eaten alive, like they say in Jurassic Park. The point is, yeah. when it eats you, you're alive. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's a wonderful quote from Sam Neill. He goes, the point is, you are alive when they start to eat you. <laughs> of course, I was I was waiting for you to go, nah, I'm going to be that dude from Jurassic World. I've done trained them. <laughs> you know, that would be great. I, I love that idea. Jurassic World introduced such a cool concept of of basically, like, raising and having a relationship with, with, uh, with pack hunters, kind of like a wolf uh, idea. And that was really... Um, I like how innovative that was. They, they they did something different. They didn't just redo Jurassic Park. That was really good. No, they really did. And one of the great things about that movie was just picking out all the little Easter eggs. There was, like, so many Easter eggs in that movie. I just love going, oh, wait, there was one. Oh, wait, and there's one over there, and that one's really cool there, and I enjoyed it. Did, yeah. did, does it have the greatest storyline? No. Is the love interest horse? Oh, my gosh, yes. But I get dinosaurs, and I get a lot of action, and I think my favorite scene was when the girl gets picked up. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> I'm going to yell it. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spear ears. When the girl, when the woman who's supposed to be watching the kids gets picked up by a pterodactyl, then she gets dropped, and she gets re-picked up by the pterodactyl, and whack, yeah! Wasn't that, wasn't that an amazingly, I was like, thank you for bringing the action. But my only complaint with with that movie, my, if I'm gonna make one complaint, because uh, there were, there was a there was a bunch of minor complaints of things, but I would say, I don't. Okay, this movie to me was what Aliens did to Alien. In other words, Alien had such uh, suspense, and there was a fear element of it, and it had action. But Aliens was like the more Hollywood blockbuster shoot 'em up. That's what this felt like to me. This was like the more, this is an action movie, not a uh, suspense survival type of a movie. Yeah, but still, it ain't no aliens because it ain't got no Sigourney Weaver in it. So. Well, that's, actually, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, was, wait, wait a minute. I thought she was involved. I think she was the voice of something in this movie. I'm just saying, it's still that. It's still not Sigourney Weaver going, get away from her, you witch oh, be. Right. Ah, look at that. Full circle, full circle. You like that, huh? Oh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Point for Amanda. Right there. (laughs) But, no, it was still a really decently good movie um, for entertainment values. I did not go there for this in-depth storyline. I went there to see dinosaurs and action, and I got it, which... It gave me more action and more creatures than the Godzilla movie that they redid ever did. Yeah, but you know, I actually liked that Godzilla movie. I don't know, I enjoyed it. And no, <laughs> you you know me, you know I'm a huge Godzilla, Gamera, and Cthulhu fan. If you are going to bring out a Godzilla, Cthulhu, or a Gamera movie, I want to see my creature. If you're going to cut away so I can listen to people drama, I'm not going to enjoy it. Fair enough. And that, I, I understand biggest, that 100%. Yep. The biggest they did to me is here they are, there's this big fight in the middle of the city, and they close the doors, and I'm, like, sitting there in the theater going, can I just push the doors back open, seriously? 
Like really? Yeah, you know what though? That's what, the, when they when they did show the fight scene. I think that that was. Uh, I felt like it was worth it at that point. When I had to leave the theater, go back to my hotel room, turn on Netflix, and watch Godzilla vs. Mothra because I didn't have enough Godzilla. There's a problem. Uh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So we have actually come down to a little bit past 8 o'clock. Nothing like oh. time flies when you're talking about dinosaurs. So just wow. to do a little bit of recapping, <laughs> you have two shows out, The Phil Show, which we did post a link. It's much easier um, if you don't if you can't find the link, which is youtube.com forward slash user forward slash it's the Phil Show. Just I already tried this. Just type in Phil Maki, and it's going to be the first thing that pops up when you type that in on YouTube. So you can check out The Phil Show, and, of course, Nate has an hour to fill. You can find Phil over on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Phil You can find him on his website, philmockey.com. You can follow him on Twitter, but he doesn't use it a lot, um, at Phil <laughs> <laughs> You can find more out more about what Witchby looks like over at www.redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash retail sunshine forward slash works. And then it goes wow. back to Witchby Greetings T-shirts. Just go to Redbubble and type in Witchby. It'll be well, much faster. And there's <laughs> not just T-shirts. There's like 20 other products on there. There's a, there's a big number 20, and, and you'll see like pillows and and uh, stickers and uh, my, my personal favorite, little hardbound sketchbooks. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff on there. See, we said the number 20 again. Today's episode of HEP is brought to you by the letters P, the letters M, and the number 20. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, and you know, man, I, one thing I forgot to say that actually might make everybody, their life a little bit easier with keeping track of all those websites. I started a, a, on a newsletter, and if you go to filmaki.com, there's a link at the top that is like a sentence. That's, I made it obvious. It's a big sentence. that says something like, if you can read this link, then you can be in the newsletter. Um, just click on that and and uh, sign up for it, and it, it goes out once every other Wednesday. So actually, tomorrow is going to be a new, a new newsletter. Uh, I just I, I put all the new stuff I'm doing in the newsletter. So you know, nice. So go over to filmmonkey.com and click on if you can read this. No, not only do you not need glasses, but you can be part of the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if that doesn't work for you, you just just. You guys can send me an email. Just go to uh, send an email to livestockproductions at gmail dot com, and just say you want to be in the newsletter, and I'll I'll add you myself. So if you don't want to do the effort of filling out a very very tiny form, I'll do it for you. I don't have to worry about that. I'm already with the newsletter. I've been with the newsletter since the first time we met. Yeah, this is a true story. <laughs> uh, true story. Yeah. And then, of course, everybody, make sure that you are following him on all of the social media that is out there. He's even on Instagram. And uh, that way you can follow the campaign for the pre-orders of Twas the Day After Turkey. You can hound him on, come on now, we really, really, really want not quite extinct. We need some more dinosaurs in our lives. And, of oh, course, boy. you know, make sure you go to YouTube, check out the Phil Show, Not Quite Extinct, and so many other things, including the Livestock Reboot book that he's got coming out, and the new Orientations book, which is a sequel to Twas the Day After Turkey, which will be coming out during the 20th anniversary. Woo! 20th anniversary of Livestock <laughs> Productions, I guess, is what that is. <laughs> and, of course, Crazy. everybody... 
I want to thank everybody in the chat room for joining us today. I hope that you all had fun. I want to thank my guest, Phil Mockey. And as always, AGP comes to you every Tuesday live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please keep tuned. If you would like to follow me, I am LadyBader79 on Twitter. I am Amanda Gillum, which is spelled like William, but with a G instead of a W on Facebook, and we have so many more guests, including my father, Mr. Tim Riley, who just brought back up his uh, web comic strip. We also have people like Mark Kidwell, Josh Jeppy, and so many more people coming towards you within this wonderful industry that we like, that I like to call Geekville. And again, we appreciate your time, and go get some DNA, and maybe they'll make you a dinosaur. Good night. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.